You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Well, turn your Bibles this morning, if you would, to the book of John chapter 6. John chapter 6, as we continue in our series entitled, Did Jesus Really Say That? Um, And as you move there towards that John chapter 6, let me ask you a question this morning, if I can. And I need you to be honest in this, okay? Be honest in your answer. Have any of you ever, you didn't mean to, you didn't intend to, it just kind of happens. Have you ever rejoiced while someone else was kind of like crying? Don't look at me like I'm evil. But I did it this week, this very week. Let me, let me, tell, let me tell you what happened. It was uh, May 3rd, 5.45 p.m. I got a phone call from my wife telling me that our minivan had breathed its last. And she's broken up and she's telling me that the minivan has died. And, 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 and I didn't mean to do this, but inside I just began to say, glory to you, Lord. Glory in the highest, Lord. Because it's a minivan. And so I think it was because I was worshiping God and just giving him glory in that moment that God gave me a vision. He downloaded like an Old Testament prophet kind of vision. It was awesome. It was it was overwhelming. It was inspiring. It was a Ford pickup truck. It was just the Lord was speaking to my deep and, and, and it was detailed in the vision. I mean, it had a six-inch lift to it. It was black, alloy wheels, like leather interior. It was even embroidered on the driver's side. It said, Dad's parking only. It was, oh, trespassers will be shot. I think it said that too. It was a beautiful vision from God. And so I felt the need to share that vision with my wife. Because, well, I'm the pastor of my home. And I got to bring her along. And so I speak this vision that God has given me. I speak it to her. And my wife, uh, she's not as spiritual as I am. I want you to know that right now. Because <clears throat> she had her own vision. And her vision was a car that would not require monthly payments. And, um, and so I tried to shepherd her along, right? Because I had to speak truth to the lie that she was being deceived by. And so, so the next day, um, we went with her vision. <clears throat> I wear the pants at my home. And so here's the thing. So we, we go to the, the, the car lot, right? And, and we knew how much we were going to spend. We we're going to stay within a budget. And, and, and she's like, okay, so the car that we need to have, it has to have plenty of space, good gas mileage, has to obviously be within our budget so we can still travel with the kids. It has to be. But what she didn't understand was right there next to the car that she was looking at was a Ford Mustang. <laughs> and in my mind, that was close enough to God's vision. And so I'm trying to tell her, hey, this is an alignment with God's vision right here. It speaks man. It speaks to my, to my, how many of you guys remember Tim the Tool Man Taylor? You know, do it. That's what I was, that's how, I, look, look at this thing. And, and, and she's saying, there's no room for groceries. There's no room for kids. You got six inches back there. And I'm like, dude, we're not, we're not having a monthly car payment anymore. So we can invest in yoga for the kids and they can just contort their bodies in the back. They'll be fine. Uh, and so I'm, I'm trying to speak. We're going to buy the car, um, not the Mustang, I guess, is what she told me, because um, it just didn't line up with her vision. Whatever. 
<laughs> Don't go talk to my wife today. <laughs> How many of you guys have ever had that, that type of battle in, in, inside, right? Between The battle between your wants and your needs. You want something, but do, do you really need that something? It, it can be a really tough battle, right? And it, it doesn't just apply to material things. You know, I fight that battle spiritually, and I bet you you do too. There are things spiritually that I want, but there's one thing that I need. See, we carry around this thing called flesh, right? This sin nature, this this nature that, that tells us, go after what you want. And what I want is I want to live comfortably. What I want is I want to live selfishly. Sometimes what I want is I want to live independently. But what I need, what I need is Jesus. And here's the thing. I've discovered this. Whenever I trade in my wants for my needs, I never trade down. I'm always trading up. When, when I, when, let, me, let me say it again. When I trade my wants, my, my, my want of independence, my want of living selfishly, my, my want of living comfortably, when I trade in my wants for what I need and I need Jesus, he delivers more than I ever could have hoped for, dreamt, or imagined because he is more than I could ever hope for dream or imagine this morning what i want us to discover and potentially for you is to rediscover your deep need of him your deep need for the encountering the personhood of christ how many of you say our wants are pretty loud sometimes yeah and so when Jesus says certain things, it shocks our wants system, doesn't it? And it leaves us saying, did Jesus really say that? So this morning, if you haven't turned there yet, in John chapter 6, there's a, there, there's a scripture here that leaves me wondering, did Jesus really say that? And, and, and what we're going to see in this scripture, what I hope to show to you by the end of this sermon, is that Jesus is really talking about wants versus needs, although it doesn't appear that way at first. It appears differently at first. Jesus said this, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Huh? Have you ever read that before and just said, what? What? Come again? Uh, Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and you drink his blood, you have no life in you. And those that he would have been speaking to that day, that crowd, that group of people, there would have been a, a flashback that they would have had to the Old Testament, a book called Leviticus. And, and he, there, was a, there was a rule here. There was a law here. And the law was this. God would say to the people that I will set my face against any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who eats blood, and I will cut them off from the temple. So what, what Jesus was saying was shocking. But what Jesus was really talking about, and you're going to see this, he was differentiating between what they wanted and what they needed. Let, let, so before we get to that, let's talk about what Jesus was not talking about. Okay, That's, He wasn't talking to the Jews about breaking the law. Okay, you can fill in the blanks if you're following along with it. He wasn't encouraging the Jews to break the law. The second thing he wasn't doing is, is Jesus wasn't encouraging cannibalism. 
In fact, I don't know why we felt it was so important for you to actually fill in the blank on that one, just to be sure you didn't leave here and have a new definition of finger food. I think that's why we wanted you to... My wife said, don't tell them that one, but I did it anyways. I don't listen. I wear the pants in my house. I wear the pants. I'm going to like that car. Okay, so Jesus was not promoting cat. What else was he not like? What was he not doing? Jesus was also not speaking literally. He was speaking figuratively, okay? He wasn't speaking literally. He was speaking figuratively. So we know what he wasn't saying. Let's move on to what he was saying. And we're, to, to, to do that, let, let, let's capture all of what um, he said. John chapter 6, verse 52 through 66. Read this, as I, or read this to yourself as I go along. It says, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. And just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. And this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And he said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? The Spirit gives life. Read this part with me. The flesh counts for nothing. I think it's safe to say what you want counts for nothing. The wants of your flesh, they count for nothing. Jesus is saying within this context, he's going to bring it out a little bit more. What you want is not what you need. Your flesh accounts for nothing. What you need is not to feast on anything else. What you need is to feast on me. You need to feast on me in every area of your life. As he continues on, he says, The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And he went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And from this time, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Context is everything, isn't it? Especially when we're reading scripture. Context is everything. Um, Without context, things get kind of messed up. In fact, without context, you would think that a photographer is a very violent person, right? Because first thing they do is they frame you, then they shoot you, then they hang you on a wall, right? (laughs) Context is everything. And so let's put this into context, and it's real important we do that. So when Jesus was speaking about this to the crowds, you kind of got to go back one day. And a day before something wild, something crazy happened, Jesus was with his disciples and this great crowd of people, 5,000, minimum 5,000, were with him. And they were getting hungry. 
And so Jesus takes five loaves of bread and he takes two fish and he feeds 5,000 people. You know, I used to think my mom could make a meal stretch. She ain't got nothing on Jesus. I mean, 5,000 people. She on five loaves, two, two fish. Feeds them all. And then, and then he goes off by himself and he tells the disciples, go across the other side of the lake. And you'll, you'll remember this story at night. Storm Jesus walks on the water. Peter sees him. Oh my gosh, you're walking on water. Can I walk on water? Jesus, come on. Peter takes a couple steps and what does he do? Right? Get scared. But they finally make it to the other side of the lake. Now, when they make it to the other side of the lake, the crowds have noticed that Jesus is gone, that the disciples are gone. He had just fed them the 5,000 bread and fish. And so they chased Jesus to the other side of the lake. Why were they chasing Jesus? Why were they going after him? Was it because of what they wanted or because of what they needed? It was because of what they wanted. They didn't even realize what they needed. It says this in John chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus answered and said, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. What you're coming after me for, what you're coming after me for, it's with the wrong motivation. It's the wrong reason. And that's why Jesus would say to us today that motives matter. Our motivation, it matters. Not only were they coming after him for bread, but you know when they fed the 5,000 people and Jesus withdrew? It says Jesus withdrew because the people were going to force him to be their king. What they were looking for was a temporary fix to their social issues. And they were looking for, for, for food for their bodies. But what they were missing, what they were missing, instead of getting a king that would resurrect Israel, what they really needed was a king that would resurrect their lives eternally. And so motivation matters. Why? Let's personalize this. Why are you here today? What motivated you to come here today? Let me ask you this. What motivates you to do ministry? What motivates you to serve, whether it's in the children's ministry, it's making coffee, or, or I've I seen Jeff Adkins in the back, man, every single first Sunday, he's back there and he's filling up our communion. That's an awesome job. Uh, what, but what motivates us to do those things? I saw this book, and maybe, maybe you've heard of this book, um, it's written by a guy named Ed Dobson. It's called A Year Living Like Jesus. And his goal in this was to every single day, almost as a diary, he was going to write down um, how he lived exactly as the Bible said to live. And so on the 13th day of this journey, he finds himself in Key West, Florida. Um, kind of an iffy place, right? And he finds himself on a kind of iffy street called Duval Street in Key West, Florida. How many of you know where I'm talking about yeah okay heathens what were you doing there i'm just kidding I'm kidding and so he's he's there right and and he's walking down the street and there's this guy he's drunk he's sitting on a step and and he calls out to him hey you got any money and and, and listen to how the story reads and it's really at the end of this that i want us to focus on he said this he says what did my wife and i do we walked past the man without doing anything as we have done with so many other people over the years. After all, it's not our fault that he is where he is. But after we'd walked on a little further, he called after us, can you help a Vietnam vet? My youngest son is a veteran, and I deeply respect those who have served their country in that way. So I stopped, walked back to him, and I gave him a dollar. 
At that moment, I remembered the words of Jesus. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. It's as simple as that. Give to the one who asks. He asked, I had an obligation to give. As I walked down the street, a wonderful peace came over me because I felt I'd actually obeyed one of Jesus' teachings. I knew he'd probably use it to buy more alcohol and that I probably hadn't made the wisest choice. And I also knew that a dollar wasn't really going to help him, but I had no other choice. He asked and I was obligated. Now, now listen to this part, okay? Really focus in on this. Still, what caused me to give him the money was not my responsibility to follow Jesus, but it was the fact that the guy was a veteran. So after my initial euphoria, I realized I had done the Jesus thing for the wrong reasons. How many times can we find ourselves, if we're not careful, doing the Jesus thing and missing Jesus altogether? Here's what I know. We don't have to do a Jesus thing We can never do the Jesus thing unless Jesus is the thing. Unless it's because of my passion for him. Unless it's because of my passion to feast on his presence, man, my motivation can get warped, and so can yours. Without a raise of hands and and, and anything, and, and don't raise your husband's hand for him, okay? How many, you're already doing it in the back, I saw that. How many of you would say that, you know, sometimes you, you come to church doing the Jesus thing, but the motivations can be wrong. You're doing it out of, well, because my wife is making me. <laughs> or you're doing it because, well, we want, uh, we want to set a good example for the kids. Or, or we're going to do it because, well, that's what I've been trained to do. Or I'm going to do it because I got to earn Jesus' favor. Hey, listen, some of those things can sound really good. Some of those things that we do is, is wrong. Listen, all of them are wrong unless we're coming because it's the presence of Jesus we desire. Amen. When I serve in ministry, when you serve in ministry, I got to check my motives. Am I, am I doing it out of pride? Am I doing it because I get a pat on the back? Hey, don't act like not serving Jesus. Just serving Jesus. That, that, that's not something that comes along with it. Sometimes you get that attaboy, right? That atta girl, good job, I see. But listen, if that's my driving, motivating factor, I'm, I might be doing the Jesus thing, but I'm completely missing Jesus. Even if I'm bringing my kids to church just to set a good example for them. Listen, while that's a great thing, if I'm doing the Jesus thing and I'm missing Jesus, I'm getting it all wrong. I need to be bringing my kids because I want Jesus and you're coming along with me. What Jesus is saying to the people, what he's saying to the crowd is the same thing he's saying to you and I today. Are you still passionately pursuing me? Are you coming? Are you serving? Are you praying? Are you worshiping? Are you doing all those things out of any other motivation than the one motivation that matters? It's that you need me. Will you exchange your wants for what you need? And what you need is me. You don't need anything else. and quiet in here second thing is we understand that knowledge is not enough knowledge is not enough I can know what I need I can know about what I need but my knowledge requires something else my knowledge requires a decision my knowledge of Jesus and that I need him it requires a decision from me I can know about something and never do something about it. 
Jesus hasn't called us just to know about him. He's called us to do something about him. And that's to love him, passionately pursuing him. Can I tell you something? You may have known Jesus all your life. You may have grown up being one of those kids that was drugged. Drugged to church, you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) And you may have heard all about Jesus. You can probably recite so many verses, probably more than I could. I didn't grow up in church. But I can say this, that there's a lot of people who know about Jesus but haven't made a decision for Jesus. And no matter how long you've known him, there's a decision to be made today. Knowing requires deciding. And this is what we know about deciding, is that deciding, point number four, I'm sorry, point number four will be deciding requires a commitment. Deciding requires a commitment. How many of you ever noticed this in your own life? The things that I decide on yesterday, I have to re-decide on today. I, I can make great decisions yesterday. Okay, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And the next day, I got I to gotta re-decide to do that again. That's called commitment. And when Jesus is talking about feasting on him, eating the flesh and drinking the blood, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm looking for commitment. I'm looking for people who are all in. I would say, listen, if, if you're eating the blood or you're eating the flesh and drinking the blood, wouldn't you say that's kind of like all in? And Jesus is saying that all in is something of a commitment that needs to be made every single day. I'd probably put this next verse in the top 10 of my favorite Jesus interactions in all the Bible. This, this one is so good. So, the disciples, people that were walking around following Jesus, not the 12, but the rest of them, they said, this is some tough stuff what you're talking about, Jesus. And they walked away from him. Listen, listen to what it says in verses 66 through 68. He says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And then Jesus turns to the 12 and he says this. He says, do you want to leave too? Man, I don't know about you, but I can almost feel the emotion of Jesus in that moment. Everybody's leaving. Do you want to leave too? And then Peter says something that is so good. I mean, in its simplicity, it'll blow you away. His simplicity was power. Peter says this to Jesus. Where would we go? Where would I go? You know what Peter was saying? And I pray we would say the same thing. Jesus, you're what we need. Where would we go without you? You're the center of my life. You are the son of God. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Through you, there's grace and mercy and hope and freedom. Where would I go anywhere else to find that? Jesus... Jesus would ask us that today too. Jesus would ask us that today too. Hey, I, I, under, I understand that sometimes we don't mean to. It's just, it just so inch by inch, centimeter even by centimeter, we find ourselves moving off 
of our alignment for why we do what we do. And when we begin to do that, we begin to substitute our wants for our need. And our need is Jesus. My question to you this morning would be this. Do you still passionately need Jesus? Are you living your life in such a way, deciding and making decisions for your, not just for your todays, but for your tomorrows? Or is your decision, your life, based around the personhood of Christ and his incredible love for you? What I'm saying is this. Are you feasting on him or feasting on other things? Those other things, they're only going to fill you up for a moment. Those, I come to find this, that my wants, they satisfy for only a little bit. But my need, what Jesus gives me, it fills me forever. <laughs> Let me put it this way. I took my boys just yesterday. We went and had all-you-can-eat sushi. Somebody say amen. And here's the thing that I found out about sushi. A half hour later, I was hungry again. Amen. I needed a steak. I needed a big steak. <laughs> This is going to sound weird, but my, my, my wants are like sushi. <laughs> I don't, that's weird to say in church, but it is. My wants are like sushi. I'm, I'm hungry again really quickly. Man, when I feast on the bread of life, when I feast on Jesus, I'm satisfied. In fact, I find out that my wants were dumb. My needs are more than I could hope for, dream, or imagine because that's who he is. So this morning, you may have noticed, if you've been with us at Grace Covenant for any amount of time, we typically on the first Sunday of the month have communion in the first part and part of worship, but we wanted to hold it till the end today. And if our ushers would go ahead and make our way down, here's a couple things I want us to do this morning. You can go ahead and come down and distribute. One of the things I want us to do this morning is this, is to recognize not only his provision in the cross because Jesus said to remember him right but as we take this together this morning and I ask you that you'd hold it so we can take it all together what I'd ask you to do is take this moment to be still before God to be honest with yourself and to allow the Holy Spirit to show you to give revelation to you to reveal to you if there's in any way, any shape, any form, that maybe your life has become less of a passionate pursuit of Jesus, less of a feasting on Him, and a more of pursuing these wants that you really don't need. I guess what I'm asking you is this. Are you still crazy in love with Him? For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.